The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Some people call me a bad apple. That's me. Well, I may be bruised, but I still taste sweet. Some people call me a bad apple, but I may be the sweetest apple on the tree I've got the notion to tell you about my history people uh-huh uh-huh I've got the notion to tell you about how I came up in the world uh-huh uh-huh now look I used to go to school and that's David Wilcox singing my theme song, Bad Apple. That's me. You guys know that. By the way, I come up with another acronym for OBE after listening to our last guest. Out of brain experience. Yeah. I think you left the brain with the dog. Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and... Um, you're listening to us on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on Shortwave. And I'd like to say hello to all our new listeners throughout the European Union. And thank you guys for the emails that I'm getting. And I'm telling you, it's a pleasure being over there. And as well to all our Asian listeners, uh, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, all of you, for those kind emails that you're sending us. And uh, I hope to get back to each and every one of you in the very near future. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exona at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our website's www.exonradio.com and www.exontv.com. My guest this hour is a gentleman who is very well known and highly respected throughout the UFO world. His name is Dr. Bruce Cornett. Uh, Bruce has initiated a research project to install passive detection and monitoring devices at UFO hotspots around the U.S. He has many of his own outstanding sightings and videos on his website. And he, has, he is undoubtedly the world's leading authority on the events that have been occurring in the Pine Bush area of New York from the 1980s to the present day. And he is also on staff at the National Institute for Discovery Science. And Dr. Bruce Cornett, how are you, Bruce? Welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Well, thank you, Rob, for having me back. I'm doing quite fine, thank you. Bruce, um, your, your status as a ufologist in my books is that of... Uh, last night we had Dennis Balthaser on. And you go back 
to the old days with me, 15, 16 years ago. Yes. First show of the Exxon was in 1993. Your research goes back to 19, into the 1980s, I believe. Actually, 1992, uh, when uh, things began to really uh, open up for me, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, Ellen Crystal's work that went back into the 80s. Right, and, right. Uh, Ellen's, uh, she's been on the show a number of times. But you know, Bruce, in this world of ufology today, there are many people out there who don't know what the heck they're doing. I have to agree with that. You know, and I did an editorial where I said that in my experience, 15 years or 16 years doing this show, the credible ufologists are very few and far between. And as I put Dennis Balthaser into the credible category last night, I do the same tonight with you. Because I've I've seen your work. I've seen the, the, the meticulous manner in which you go about investigating things. You never take anything as sight on scene. You investigate. And I believe that you do this because of your, your training as, as a researcher, geologist, uh, and right. a paleobotanist. You know, like, you're a scientist, so you take everything from a scientific angle. In fact, uh, the creed of a scientist is to uh, try to falsify hypotheses and theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you investigate, you come up with uh, data, Um, You try to explain that data with an hypothesis or theory, and if you can falsify it with additional data, then you must go back to square one and try another uh, interpretation. Bruce, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Please stand by. Dr. Bruce Cornett is our guest this hour. His website is www.monmouth.com forward slash tilde b cornett. And uh, Dr. Bruce Cornett and I will be back talking about UFOs to paleontology to things from the past. And is there correlation from the past to the future? Quantum Physics 109. I'll be back with Dr. Bruce Cornett live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Heard around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave. Back to my song. I've got to know. Listen to me now. Listen to the record. I'll admit I have been lazy and I've been called crazy. In my time I've played and played. But I can get down and quit fooling around. When the weather gets rough, situation gets tough. Some people call me a bad apple. Well, uh, Dr. Bruce Cornett's our very special guest. And uh, Bruce, uh, with... Uh, I'd like to talk to you, if possible, about the Stephenville UFO and the controversy between what the military first said and then their rebuttal or their fast turnaround, and they said, oh, yeah, we had 10 F-16s in the air. Uh, As a professional ufologist, how did you perceive this? First off, I um, think that uh, uh, most people um, can distinguish a, a conventional aircraft from uh, from something that does not look like an aircraft, and if it's behaving uh, unlike that of an aircraft, such mm-hmm. as uh, stopping, hovering, taking right angle turns, uh, moving around without making any noise, um, they take notice and um, think it's something unidentified, and obviously it is. That's right, because so, they don't know what it is. Right, and. Um, 
you know, then for the military to come in and say, oh, it's just a bunch of uh, F-16s, I mean, it, it, it's, it's sort of like a slap in the face, uh, mm. assuming that these people uh, are idiots. And that's not probably not the case at all. Now, over over the years investigating UFO sightings, uh, Bruce, have you come across it before where the military will say one thing and then a few days later they backtrack? Or backpedal, uh, I should say? Um, well, when I uh, was at the NIDS, National Institute for Discovery Science, uh, back in uh, 2004, uh, I went through a lot of different files and things, and uh, it was quite clear that... Um, uh, there was a policy in place within the military um, to uh, put everything through a, a very uh, uh, strong filter. Um, and in other words, they're just not going to uh, admit to anything uh, that they don't want out there. And um, there has been, for example, in the Pine Bush area, uh, there was an attempt uh, later uh, discovered by Phil Ambronio um, that the CIA... Uh, during that uh, flap in the uh, mid-'80s, the, um, where these very large uh, craft or objects were seen by thousands of people and reported, and thus the subject of uh, Imbronio's book with Heineck called Night Siege, um, where uh, they tried to mimic uh, the uh, formation of lights that were being described with uh, uh, slow-moving airplanes and that had special lights. Uh, installed on them, all for the purpose of uh, confusing the public. Um, so I do know that something like that has happened. Um, that has been documented. Bruce, I was wondering if you could, for the listeners who may not be as familiar with the Pine Bush uh, events in New York State around the Hudson uh, Valley, I was wondering if you could explain it to them, please. Boy, uh, I don't know how I mean many hours you you got here for me, but uh, oh, only one, my friend. Try, only one. I'll try to uh, summarize it in in as best a way I can. Sounds like um, a simply to say that uh, I discovered back in '92 this book called uh, Silent Invasion by Ellen Crystal, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I was fascinated by it because I was living in Middletown, New York, and she described these events that were happening around that uh, city. And um, I contacted her, and she took me out into the field. And uh, this was the beginning of, of a uh, cycle of uh, sightings during the 90s that lasted probably from 91 to 97, and then uh, slacked off abruptly in 90, at the end of 97, with only sporadic sightings after that. And um, I, uh, it is basically an area where uh, thousands of people have uh, seen, mostly uh, locals, residents, uh, unusual uh, lights in the sky and craft that they can't explain. And uh, it's called the Pine Bush Hotspot. Um, and one of my uh, desires or attempts at research was to understand what was going on. Um, Ellen Crystal, in her book, uh, hypothesized that uh, there was an alien base below ground. That's why there was so much activity there, because she had actually witnessed craft diving into the ground and disappearing without a crash and emerging from the ground. And uh, I actually have photographed them doing this out in the field at night with time exposures, and you can see it actually happening. Um, and uh, I wanted to go out and test 
her hypothesis. This is one of, uh, of the methods of science uh, to try to arrive at the truth. And uh, I borrowed a, a proton magnetometer, a very sophisticated instrument used in geology to uh, determine the Earth's magnetic fields. And I uh, did a 200-square-mile magnetic survey. It took me three years to complete with 1,800 stations. And I was able to generate maps that uh, revealed not only the geology, uh, the structural geology below ground, mm -hmm. but also showed a series of uh, ancient islands that were embedded or buried in, in, uh, in ancient marine rocks. And some of those islands were actually exposed in the southern part of the Wallkill River Valley. And the ones to the north were still um, buried in rock. And um, these strange anomalies were all associated with these islands. And that raised a number of questions as to what was going on. Um, uh, I've uh, found additional things in the valley which are quite extraordinary um, and perhaps uh, lend some explanation as to what is going on. Uh, one thing that uh, happened recently um, is that the History Channel contacted me and uh, they became familiar with uh, uh, my discovery of signals coming out of the ground that were not natural, they were highly sophisticated, they had been analyzed by physicists and by uh, people at JPL, and um, uh, they are definitely uh, not—they—they uh, they are not human uh, of human origin, and um, they wanted to uh, check this area out again where I had uh, recorded these signals. Uh, and that that show is going to appear on the 19th of March on the History Channel. Um, we went to the location, and the area was popping with magnetic fluxes and signals and all sorts of strange things were happening. And uh, we even had a GPR, a ground-penetrating radar, and we were able to image um, a, an entombed, what I think is an entombed robotic probe below ground embedded in, in, in uh, ancient rocks that are 450 million years old. This uh, is starting to sound like a scene out of uh, the, uh, of, uh, the Day of the Earth Stood Still. It could, you know, something of this nature. I mean, the thing that's always uh, perplexed me is I've given professional talks on this, and I have web pages on this and PowerPoints. And uh, very few people have uh, picked up the baton and wanted to investigate this further. And yet, if there ever was a smoking gun, this is it. Um, here this, uh, this thing is. I've mapped it out uh, below ground. It's a huge triangle, 565 feet on a side, over 17 feet thick. It's probably close to 3 million cubic feet in size. Wow. It's enormous. And um, it's now, erosion has nearly exposed it. It's just 7 feet below the ground, still embedded within very hard black shales. Um, and it is alive in the sense that it is sending out powerful signals, and it is magnetizing the trees around it that uh, to 1,700 milligauss, which is outrageous. That's almost as much as a bar magnet. Um, and because of this, these magnetic signals, that is, or uh, uh, these, um, this device, we think is um, uh, sending signals out into space, basically trying to call home. Um, and uh, it is 
that's perhaps one of the reasons why uh, Pine Bush Hotspot exists, is because I found other locations where other ones may have been buried and are still entombed in rock um, and sending active signals. And uh, it looks like this may be uh, being used as a gateway uh, for uh, wormholes and interdimensional travel in the sense that um, uh, these, there is more than one of these probes that came and landed uh, back 450 million years ago on this, these ancient islands. Um, and the reason I, I, I'm thinking that is uh, because if we sent a probe out to another solar system, mm-hmm. found a planet like Earth, um, and found that uh, life was evolving very rapidly in its oceans, um, we would want to send more probes out. We would send a lot of them out. And we'd, they'd land on these islands and, and send out their own devices into the uh, oceans to <clears throat> monitor the life and to record what was going on. And uh, obviously, this they thought long term. <laughs> they weren't thinking like we do. We have a, send a, a you know, the Mars rover out and... Uh, and eventually it will uh, fail. You know, after another decade, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll probably uh, get so clogged with dust it can't work. And uh, these things were designed to last for hundreds of millions of years and to travel great distances in space. Um, and now if the thing is close enough to the surface that it's able to uh, generate a signal, and uh, these signals I've actually recorded coming out of the ground, and uh, they are quite powerful. Um, and when we went back there uh, this last November, uh, the thing was just going crazy again, sending signals out into space. And uh, interestingly enough, I found it uh, to be most active uh, when I was doing my studies of it back in 92, 93, uh, when the constellation Booties was directly overhead. Um, so... It, it, apparently, it is aware of its surroundings and aware of uh, uh, the uh, constellations. Uh, and um, uh, people have seen other probes, other uh, UFOs come in and hover over this thing, which is amazing. And uh, is it drawn to its beacon? Now, so, tell me, Bruce, uh, throughout history, has this location ever been an ancient um, sacred site? Yes. The all right. Okay. <laughs> um, that particular one, but another one right nearby, mm-hmm. I call the Indian Burial Mound. And it has a number of what appear to be uh, Native American uh, features uh, on it. One that looks like a large uh, saucer-shaped UFO. Bruce, I and hate to other... do this, but I've got to take a commercial break. This is fascinating stuff. Exonation, this is why... When I get some of these people on here who talk about investigating UFOs, I kind of think they're a little fringy and a little bit of out there, and like Georgina Cannon would say, they're part of the woo-woo crowd. But when I get people like Dr. Bruce Cornett on, who takes a scientific approach, I listen. Choosing someone to help guide you through deep financial waters is an important as well as very personal decision. Let me tell you good news. You have a friend in the loan business who is sincerely anxious to help you when you need it. The toll-free number, in case you ever do need it, is 1-866-464-1800. There will be an interested, caring, and friendly voice at the other end of the line when you call Prime Pacific Capital. 
I know it's not every day you need advice on consolidating credit cards or getting a home loan or getting a lower interest rate, but when you do need help, that's no time to take chances. Call 1-866-464-1800 or visit www.talkstarradio.com. Call 1-866-464-1800 and introduce yourself to your friend in the money business. But don't ask for free samples. I already tried that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Call 1-866-464-1800. Are you questioning your future in the year 2008 and what lies ahead for you in matters of family, love, finance, employment, and travel? Do you have questions that have been haunting you and now you're seeking guidance and the answer to these questions from those on the other side? If you have said yes, then you need to call Premier Psychics right now. At Premier Psychics, talented, gifted, professional psychics will help you find the answers to the questions that you seek and help you on life's metaphysical journey. Call Premier Psychics now, toll-free at 1-866-803-6593 or visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierpsychics.com. Know today what the future holds for you. Once again, call Premier Psychics toll-free at 1-866-803-6593 or visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierpsychics.com where the extra E in Premier stands for excellence. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Feast to Fields Organic Vineyard in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. I should have known you did me farewell. There's a lesson to be learned from this, and I learned it very well. Now I know you're not the only starfish in the sea. If I never hear your name again, it's all the same to me. And I think it's gonna be alright. Yeah, the worst is over now. The morning sun is shining like a red rubber ball. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Bruce Cornett's our very special guest this hour. His website is www.monmouth.com forward slash tilde B. Cornett. Bruce, I was just wondering if the uh, beacon that you've discovered has anything to do with the mythical return of Planet X. God, don't let me get into that. I mean, doesn't this come from uh, mythology? Uh, and maybe uh, Sitchin uh, getting into this. Um, yeah. Why should there be a Planet X? Um, I mean, there are a lot of rogue mm-hmm. uh, objects out there in space. Uh, they're finding them all the time. And uh, we know that uh, as, as we discover more and more, we're going to find that there may be 
uh, some very distant um, planets that uh, orbit our sun, as they have recently found and added a, a possible two or three new ones to the seven that we used to think were the only ones. Yeah. So, so I guess you you don't uh, follow or you don't believe the Planet X story. Oh no, please. Okay. Um, Just asking, you know, buddy. I'm, okay. Just asking. Uh, you know, I, I base my stuff. I have to. I have to have something solid. Yeah. Uh, something factual, something that can be reproduced, mm -hmm. and uh, something that can uh, be corroborated by my peers. Um, and uh, if I don't have that. Uh, then it's just anecdotal information as far as I'm concerned. And really, we know how much of that exists in ufology. Yes, yes, very true. Now tell me, Bruce, the, the signal that this um, triangle is emitting, is it on a, uh, on a very unusual radio band? Uh, first off, it's the, where, the way I'm detecting it is magnetically. I see. Okay? And um, the, my uh, friend at JPL... Uh, says that he thinks uh, that the, these three magnetically generated beams on each of the corner of this triangle are um, able to control a central uh, device and aim some sort of a um, uh, particle beam out into space. So we're talking um, about magnetic res uh, magnetic harmony uh, harmonance. What, what, uh, what's it called? Uh, magnetic. Magnetic convergence to create yes. a harmonic frequency. Yes, something of this nature, and that uh, because it's still below ground, mm -hmm. uh, he thinks that we're dealing with extremely small particles, such as you know um, uh, neutrinos or something that it's controlling. Uh, so, you know, if we could just get, I uh, could find people willing enough to put up some money that we could go out there and monitor this and try to determine. Mm -hmm just exactly how it's producing this signal or what the signal is, imagine we could perhaps crack the, um, the telecommunication code of the universe uh, now, and find that there's, you know, it's, the universe is alive with signals. Um, and, and to think that a SETI uh, is, is correct in that the, every, the ET will communicate on waterhole frequency um, is, is ridiculous. Um, you know, they're just looking at a very narrow band, um, and uh, they haven't found very much mm -hmm. after 60 years of uh, looking. I think they've had a couple questionable hits, and that's about it. So it's quite clear that um, if, if there, there are these probes out there uh, traveling around, uh, uh, gathering information on uh, the universe, um, uh, they're not communicating in any way that uh, we have yet discovered. Bruce, having the information that you have, how come the UFO community isn't just knocking your door down saying, how can we get involved in this find? Yeah, that's my question. I wonder how or why this is not the case. And I think it's largely because uh, in the UFO community, you have a lot of people, once they get involved and, and see something or think, that, uh, you know, become hooked on the idea or belief, um, they get it in their heads that it's an ephemeral phenomena that ca can't be um, uh, studied scientifically. And uh, they want, uh, you know, trace evidence. They want uh, videos and photographs. And people seem to be uh, very eager to just 
see any video clip of something unusual in the sky, and to a scientist, that's all, nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it, it, you can't determine what's inside going on. What I did is I went out into the field with the various instruments and uh, uh, took time exposures at night of these strange lights in the night sky, and I recorded uh, hundreds of uh, sightings of, of things that were clearly not um, uh, man-made. And I can uh, go down a whole list of uh, reasons why. The listeners just have to go to my uh, website, and that will show you links to various uh, pages that I've generated over the last uh, 10 years. And um, on uh, all the data that I collected during the 90s, uh, there's just a, an enormous amount of data there. And one of the things uh, uh, is very consistent. All of these objects at night were using plasma lights. They were not using lamps. And um, you can determine that with infrared film. You can determine that from uh, uh, color um, uh, images, uh, blowing them up and uh, looking for evidence such as uh, plasma balls, Mm -hmm. things of this nature. And and when these, uh, some of these craft brighten their, their lights, they literally set the atmosphere on fire. Uh, it turns to huge plumes of nitrous oxide, uh, glowing nitrous oxide that comes off, off them, and that is mainly because they're uh, exciting the atoms in the atmosphere, and the atmosphere is largely composed of nitrogen and oxygen, and nitrogen and oxygen will combine to form nitrous oxide. And um, I have lots of uh, good images of that. Plus, <clears throat> anytime they produce sounds, and this is very consistent, um, the sounds uh, can be analyzed. Uh, if they're recorded, they can be analyzed. And uh, uniformly, no white noise. If I record a conventional air jet, I will get white noise. But with these, uh, you do not get that. And uh, the, all the sound is broken up into about a dozen individual frequencies as, on a, uh, as if produced by a, a sound synthesizer. Hmm. And... Um, also, the uh, sound exhibits reverse Doppler. Um, I've worked with Jack Safadi uh, in California, and he uh, thinks that my data is, is uh, proof positive of, of uh, uh, anti-gravity fields around these craft, and that this will, in his, according to his theory, uh, when uh, the propulsion uh, through this method of, of controlling gravity will reverse the Doppler effect. So he says, I've proven that not only that his theory is correct, but that uh, I am recording uh, craft that are, uh, are being propelled by unconventional technology. So this is all physics data. Yeah. That is raw data that any other scientist can look at and analyze. And, um, um, and I really don't have an explanation as to why more people aren't willing to... Uh, uh, you know, invest in, in my work. And how, how about how about the government, the military? Because if this technology is as you believe it to be, Bruce, it would be invaluable to the government. Yes, the only explanation I can think of is that they've already figured it out. <laughs> ah. They already reversed engineered it, and they're really not that interested in it. Uh, they because they don't want it's right there in the in a, and along a public thoroughfare where this um, the craft is located. And if the government were to step in uh, and try to excavate it 
um, there's a, a cemetery built right on top of it, and it's uh, so they'd have to move the cemetery. And I don't think they're going to get uh, the cemetery uh, people who own the, that cemetery uh, to go along with that. In addition, um, uh, they uh, it would be quite obvious what they're doing in, 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 in their activity, and as a consequence. Um, uh, it would attract a lot of attention. And the one thing they don't want is to attract attention to something like this. Now, Bruce, um, the, 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 the research or the continuation of research that you would like to do at this site that funding would be super for, how would this differ from what the government would do? Okay, if it's in the private sector, mm-hmm. uh, even if it involves JPL and NASA, okay, it uh, would be very public. It would have to be, just like the Mars missions, etc. Certain information would probably be classified, uh, but other information would be released. Uh, but in the, the bottom line is, this: if this is what I think it is, uh, Rob, I mean, you're dealing with a, um, a civilization that existed 450 million years ago. How do we know? Because it's embedded in rocks that have been dated to that age. Yeah. And uh, they have been sending probes out, uh, presumably uh, designed to travel uh, many light years. Uh, we don't know how, and this may have been one of the, the first uh, um, exploration phases of this uh, civilization. And the uh, so basically you're dealing with an antique, okay? <laughs> if you can think of uh, E.T., you know, producing more and more uh, advanced models through the millions of years, uh, this thing would be an absolute antique. And it, yet it would be much more advanced than anything we would have. Is it um, possible, Bruce, that this is a time machine? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it obviously, uh, I mean, to have something that's still active, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if it's not running on, on the radioactive elements, a nuclear power, um, then, it's, then it's, we would I'd love to know just how, how it's able to be active this for uh, so many hundreds of millions of years, and um, um, that's by itself. Yeah. As, as one of my uh, colleagues said, Chris, even if this doesn't turn out to be what you think it is, um, nobody's ever discovered anything like this. Uh, if this is a natural formation, a rock formation that's doing this, uh, this would be a huge, a huge interest to science. Um, and if it's what you think it is, it could uh, literally give us a quantum leap in our own uh, need for uh, finding free energy or a source of energy that could run this, our, our civilization. Bruce, could tectonic plate movement cause the um, magnetic uh, variances that you noticed? Well, it's a very quiet area. It's been dead tectonically uh-huh. for hundreds of millions of years. In fact, uh, the last, uh, at the time this ocean was forming, it was a region of tectonic collision between Africa and North America. Right. Mountain ranges were being formed. But now <clears throat> it's, uh, uh, it's virtually dead. Um, there are very few earthquakes, and most of those are associated with the ancient rift valleys on, along the East Coast that formed when Africa and North, and North America split apart and Pangaea broke up uh, 200 million years ago. So, um, I would, you know, I, I was working at Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory at the time, and uh, they monitored the whole area uh, seismically. 
and I would have known if there was any activity going on. Uh, it would have uh, been the buzz of, of, of the Institute. Right. Now, Bruce, what happens when you bring an electric motor or vehicle near this site? Is there any um, any dampening of a magnetic field? Well, I would think that it could be. Uh, we didn't really go and test that aspect of it. I mean, we have recorded uh, drops in temperature over this thing, mm -hmm. as much as 10 degrees. Wow. Um, and increases in temperature in the winter enough to melt snowbanks. Um, uh, I've heard sounds being produced, and others have heard sounds coming out of the ground. Um, what so kind of sounds? something mechanical down there, humming, a humming, a vibration. Mm -hmm. So there's something moving. There are moving parts there's, uh, in this thing, whatever it is. And um, uh, what, however, if, if, if it can be excavated, it has to be done through the scientific community, openly, and uh, with the help of, uh, you know, aerospace engineers, et cetera, uh, and NASA, because they would need uh, to, to put in protocols as to what we're going to do. I mean, I've even recorded high levels, high, uh, slightly above uh, background radiation levels, okay? So there is radiation associated with it, and the closer we get to it, we don't know. We would have to uh, monitor every aspect of this, make sure that nobody that gets near it uh, would be injured. And uh, what happens if we start to remove some of the overburden on it and free it up a little bit? Now, this thing landed, uh, uh, hypothesis is that it landed on an island and the sea level rose and eventually the island sank and muds of that ocean covered over the island and entombed the, the object, okay, the craft. Bruce, stand yeah. by. I've got to take my final break. Dr. Bruce Cornett's our very special guest. Bruce, this has to be the the find, the scientific find of all times. I don't understand why people, like I said, are knocking at your door to get part of this, to be part of this, especially the government and the UFO world. They should be there saying, gosh, Bruce, thank you. Finally, a smoking gun. Let's get it done. I'll be back on the other side with Dr. Bruce Cornett as the Exxon continues right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more? Get ready for a toll-free number to Associated Tax Relief. Associated Tax Relief has helped others settle their tax debt with the IRS for mere pennies on the dollar. Associated Tax Relief's accountants, attorneys, and tax preparers are experts at negotiating with the IRS to settle your debt and put an end to the letters, wage garnishment, and hassles. In fact, the IRS is offering you a one-time opportunity to pay your tax debt for less than what you owe. You owe it to yourself to find out how you could save literally thousands of dollars on your tax debt by calling for a free consultation. There is absolutely no cost or obligation for this free tax consultation. Get the facts on how Associated Tax Relief can help you settle your debt with the IRS. Call now, 800-655-3298. Don't wait another minute. Call for your free consultation at 800-655-3298. That's 800-655-3298. 800-655-3298. Whether it's the arrival of Planet X in 2012, the Earth's crazy weather cycles, our deadly global warming, Armageddon, UFOs, ETs, terrorism, the critical mass 2008 presidential elections, Dr. Jason Rand talks the talk and walks the walk. 
Being a twice-nominated Grammy record producer, recording artist, publisher, lecturer, UFO ET researcher and investigator, and best-selling author of The Return of Planet X, Mankind's Ongoing Legacy with a Brown Dwarf Star, Dr. Jason Rand truly does walk the walk and talk the talk. For more information on Dr. Jason Rand or to order The Return of Planet X, visit his website at www.returnofplanet-x.com or call 901-336-9660. And where will you be in the year 2012? Dr. Bruce McAbee is our special guest, www.monmouth.com forward slash tilde B. Cornett. Uh, Bruce, I have a question for one of our listeners. His name is Rob. He would like to know if you've done any infrared photography of the anomaly. Um, not at that particular uh, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have used infrared uh, for the lights in the, in the sky. Uh, this is one thing that I want to do. But I'm trying to figure out how to go about it because I suspect that if I could uh, find some money and get in a uh, helicopter and we put an infrared uh, uh, camera on the on that helicopter and uh, photograph the ground at, in the, during the winter when it and you get the um, uh, the heat signature increasing on this thing, it'll just light right up. That's what I suspect, and that's what I. That's, these are things that still need to be done. A lot of monitoring has to be done mm-hmm. on this to really know what we have. Um, people have actually seen beam of light coming out of the center of this thing and tracking an airplane flying overhead. Um, <clears throat> that that is amazing, and uh, um, so there's been a lot. On, on, and other people have seen a military caravan come up to uh, the, this cemetery, stop along the side of the road. Soldiers and fatigues uh, get out, go into the cemetery, and take something out of the ground, and then get back in and they take off. As if that, and so I have no doubt that they are aware of it. And um, uh, I even had an email uh, from uh, Robert uh, Gates um, complimenting me and thanking me for all the work that I've done. Hmm. <laughs> and you know who he is, right? Yes. Now, now tell me, because the military was in the graveyard, is it possible that this is something to do with the military, that it has no extraterrestrial origins? Well, it's unlikely that it, uh, the military will have anything to do with private land. Uh, they would want to own and control that land. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, for um, it to have a cemetery on top of it, it, it and uh, if, in other words, they couldn't have put anything in the ground while that cemetery was there, Okay. They couldn't have touched that sacred ground. Um, and so uh, there's no way that... So this thing has to be older than the cemetery, and the cemetery goes back to the 50s. Okay? So whatever was put in there has to be a very ancient technology if it's ours. And why would they dig holes and put uh, devices below ground to send signals out into space? That doesn't make sense. Um, we have t- radio telescopes and other... 
forms of uh, antennae that mm-hmm. do this above ground. We don't need to hide them in some cow pasture and up below a cemetery. As always, Bruce, great having you on the show. I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. And please uh, keep us abreast of your great research, will you? Oh, I will, Rob. I thank you again for having me on. And I hope uh, someone out there uh, hearing this uh, who has some deep pockets would uh, be interested enough in uh, participating. How can um, they contact you, Bruce? All right. Thank you so much. Uh, how can they contact you, Bruce? Oh, oh, uh, the, by, through my website, my email is bcornet at elp.rr.com or just call me at this number 915-494-4628 and of course they can always contact me and I will get them right in contact with you Bruce take care of yourself keep the great work up thank you Good night, sir. Dr. Bruce Cornett, www.monmouth.com forward slash tilde B. Cornett. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour, I'll be joined by James Gilliland. We're going to be talking about a documentary entitled Contact Has Begun. I'll be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on Exxon TV.